Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody have a good week? Can you hear me okay? I'm going to be real with y'all. Um, I didn't have a good week. Had a tough week. And uh, had a week where I was attacked and um, spiritually speaking. You know, last Saturday we had our, we had our bow shoot and it was a great day. God was glorified, seeds were sown, and then Sunday morning was good. Sunday night, throughout the rest of this week, is, is when the attacks came. And yesterday, when I was working on this message, God broke me. And He got me to a place where I didn't care. about what I wanted. I didn't care about what I was feeling. I didn't care about anything other than Him and His glory. And I believe those attacks were from the enemy because I believe that He didn't want this message preached today. We've been going through a series called Be the Church. And a few weeks ago, Rod asked me to consider preaching this message about being a church that embraces sharing. As you know, um, some of you may know or may not know, I'm the evangelism slash outreach pastor here at, at Crossroads. So I was like, nah, I don't want to do that. I'm kidding. Of course, I jumped at the chance. So we've been going through the book of Acts, and that's where we're going to stay today. And the scripture that we're going to use this morning is from Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. And I'm going to go ahead and read that to you now. If you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Love to hear those pages turning. That's awesome. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with him, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Peter and John saw a man in need, church family. They saw him sitting there, begging. 
at the gate of the temple, they saw him crippled in pain. And with the Holy Spirit's leading, they approached the man. Not with their wallets open, but with their hearts open. Got a quick story I want to share with you this morning. There's a lady in this church who experienced this earlier this week. Now, all of us have had this experience at one point in time or another where we see somebody holding up a sign or we see somebody sitting beside a door or even on the street. They're in need. They're in need. And most of us, when we come across this, we have, all of us, I feel like, have different reactions But most of us, I feel like, would say something like, well, if I give this guy money, what's he going to do with it? Is he going to go and buy drugs or buy alcohol with it? Or if I buy them food, are they going to accept it? Or are they just going to tell me to get lost? We see a need, we think, and oftentimes we just pass on by. We might offer up a half-hearted prayer for that person. Oh, Lord, bless them. You know what they need. But is that what the Lord actually calls us to do in this situation? Church family, we're called not only to love, but we are called to be Love. And being love requires action. So back to the story I wanted to tell you. She was at Taco Bell for lunch and uh, saw a young man who probably didn't have anything other than the clothes he had on his back and the bicycle that was laying on the ground beside him. And God spoke to this woman and said go talk to him she was in a hurry she didn't take time she drove off but God kept talking to her she got to 129 and she turned around she came back to Taco Bell she remembered that she had a six pack of Yoo-Hoo's and some peanut butter crackers in her car And she grabbed the yoo-hoos and she grabbed the peanut butter crackers and she made a a gift bag, a love offering for the man. This was a young man, probably in his 20s. And she talked up to the man and she said, here, this is for you. And she said it looked like, his face looked like a kid's face on Christmas morning. When mom gave him that bag. You see, that was love in action. The story continues as the man told my mom, you know, a nice young lady just gave me a hamburger. 
And I'm so thankful for my hamburger. God is good. Mom said, yes, he is, and he loves you very much. You know the other lady that gave him the hamburger I found out after the 9.30 service? Goes to this church too. Her name is Monica Reams. That did my heart so much good to hear that. Monica said she thought I was stalking her. (laughs) I said, nope, it was God. (laughs) It was God stalking you. So we are not only called to love, church family, but we are called to be love. And love requires action. We're called to be the love of Christ. We're called to be the love of Christ in word. We're called to be the love of Christ in deed. And we're called to be the love of Christ in lifestyle and in action. Now in this day and time, we got to be careful, guys, because there are people out there who will hurt us simply because we want to show them love. We got to be careful, but we got to be willing to share. Not just money, but we got to be willing to share Jesus, to share the love of Christ, because church family sharing is caring. And that's the title of today's message. Sharing is caring. Now, I know that sounds a little corny. It did to me when I wrote it down on a piece of paper. I was like, God, do you really want to call this message, Sharing is Caring? And then he wrote it. And let me be a part of this message. And it changed my view on sharing is caring. Did you notice what Peter said to the crippled man in the scripture? He said, silver and gold I do not have. He let the man know right off the bat that he wasn't going to give him what he was expecting. He let him know right off the bat that this wasn't going to be a normal interaction. Then he said, what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You see, guys, Peter and John weren't rich in the eyes of the world. That is, their pockets wasn't full. But they were rich in the Spirit. They were rich in empowerment and in the power and the gifting of the Holy Spirit. You see, guys, God gave the apostles as proof of their apostolic authority, as proof of the God hand-picked messengers of Christ on this earth. God gave them spiritual gifts through the power of the Holy Spirit. And among these spiritual gifts were the the gifts of miracles and the gifts of healings. As believers in Christ, all of us have spiritual gifts as well that God has given us to share with a lost world in a dying world, a world that's crippled by sin. And you know, a great way to find out what your spiritual gift is is our place assessment. We have an online assessment that you can take that will tell you and tell us how God has wired you spiritually to serve in His church. Think about that. Think about 
and ask yourself, do I know how God's wired me to serve him in his church? Now back to the message. I can't imagine what this man's life must have been like. The scriptures tell us he couldn't walk from birth. Lame from his mother's womb is what the scriptures tell us. Now based on this description of this man, we can, we can assume two things. First, we can assume that this man had to either be helped or be carried everywhere he went. Two. We can assume that his only source of income was the daily begging that he did outside the beautiful gate of the temple. I can almost picture him laying there on an old pallet of dirty rags, somebody else's trash, laying there, his clothes dirty. His face, dirty, stained, and probably prematurely wrinkled from the pain of not only his affliction, but the pain of the embarrassment of having to beg from others for enough food, enough money to eat. Can you see him? Close your eyes. Can you see him? Can you hear him? Anything for me. Anything for this poor man. This crippled man. Anything. Can you spare anything for me? What a horrible existence to have to endure every day. Day in and day out. Church family, can I tell you something? There's people living that same existence today. The account that we read about in the scripture is happening today. And some of these people are like this man. They are afflicted by physical infirmities in their life, physical disabilities. But most of them, guys, beloved, most of them are afflicted and crippled by the sin in their life. Now, Peter and John, they didn't do what most people would have done. They stopped. They spoke to the man. They gave him their attention. They looked him in the eye and met a need in his life. They didn't just toss a dollar in a jar and move on. They took time and talked with him. Peter's saying... Look up. Raise your head. Raise your eyes. Behold the gift of the love of God. And even though they didn't have any money to give him, because they didn't have any themselves, they gave him what they had. And what they had changed this man's life. They gave him the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. They gave him the healing love of Jesus Christ. They gave him the bone-strengthening, tendon-loosening, joint-repairing love of the Savior, the Lord Jesus 
Christ. There are three things that Peter and John gave to this man that were far better than silver and gold, and I want to share those with you right now. First, they gave him their undivided attention. They gave him their undivided attention. You see, Peter's words are forceful, yet loving. Look at us. Look at us. Lift up your head. Lift up your eyes, you who were created in the image of God spiritually. Lift up your head. Look at us. They treated the man like an actual person and not a hindrance. Amen? Not as a distraction. You know, church family, oftentimes a kind word of affection or even some recognition or attention given to someone in the love and in the name of Jesus Christ is enough to begin the healing process of their broken heart or their broken life. Number two, they gave him hope. They gave him hope. Peter and John could have easily just said a prayer for the man and went on their way. And who knows how many people did exactly just that that day. This man had strategically placed himself in the, in the right place at the right time to get as much benefit for himself as he could possibly get. There were people coming in at this very hour that he was laid there to pray at the temple. And he knew that a lot of people would be coming by there. But he had no idea the blessing that he was about to get. I wonder how many people just gave him some money and passed on by. How many people just passed by not even recognizing he was there? Not giving him a second glance, a second thought, or a second look. Not even hearing his cries for help. Alms for the poor. Can you help the poor crippled man? But when Peter and John, being led by the Spirit, stopped and noticed the man and spoke to him, I have to believe that just a glimmer of hope appeared in this man's heart. Why do I have to believe that? Because if nothing else, they paid attention to him. They stopped. Look up. Look at us. If nothing else, that gave a glimmer of hope that the man was going to get some money so he could buy some food and eat that night for supper. Church family, hope is a powerful force, a powerful force that we as Christians can give to people in the darkest times of their lives. We have the hope of the resurrected Christ living inside of us. The hope of an eternity spent with God. Church family, are we like Peter and John? Are we sharing the life-changing hope that lives inside of us three they gave him a cure jesus christ now i want to be clear it was not peter and john that healed this man as a matter of fact they wanted to be clear as well they made sure that the man and the witnesses knew exactly who was responsible for the healing 
In verse 6, Peter says to the man, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, I talked about the spiritual gifts of miracles and healings earlier. And I told you, and I'm going to tell you again, that these were given as signs to the people, that these were the hand-picked messengers of God and of the gospel. Peter and John knew who the healing came from. They knew where it came from, and they wanted the man and the witnesses to know who and where the healing came from. As a matter of fact, if you read over in chapter 4 just a little bit further, you'll see that Peter and John were arrested for preaching to the people that by the name of Jesus, this man was healed. So what's the application here for us? Guys, true spiritual healing can only come through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now that's not to say that all illnesses, all sicknesses, all hard times, all hard weeks only come to those who don't know Christ. It's not saying that. I've known many strong, godly people, strong believers who have suffered greatly but they suffered with peace in their hearts. They've suffered with hope. The hope that this life is not the best that there is. The affliction that they're going to, this too shall pass. That's the hope that we have in Jesus. Just because we're believers doesn't make us immune and doesn't excuse us from suffering in this life. You want an example? Read about the disciples. Read what they suffered. Read about Paul. Read about how he suffered. The application for us is this. When we see someone crippled by sin in their life, believer or not, it is our responsibility to share the life-changing message of the gospel of Jesus Christ with that person. And it is our responsibility to share with that believer the hope that we have inside of us, the hope that he has inside of him, to call that out, to remind him where his hope is found, where his joy is found, where his peace is found in that relationship with Christ. We have the responsibility to do like Peter and John did here. All the while making sure we give Jesus the glory for the healing that comes. And all the while recognizing the reality of the repercussions that might come from us sharing the life-changing hope and message of Jesus Christ. And boldly and confidently moving forward and doing it anyway. Because our reward, believer, is not on this side. Paul said, what can man do to me? <laughs> what can man do to me? Church family, we're to be bold. 
We're to be bold in our sharing. We're to be bold in our love. We're to, be, we're to be bold in our witness. Jesus doesn't want us to walk on by. Jesus doesn't want us to throw money at the harassed and the helpless of this life. He wants us to be like Peter and John. Jesus wants us to give them our undivided attention, to share with them the reason for the hope that's inside of us. Jesus wants us to share him the cure. with the harassed and the helpless of this life to the end that they too might rise up and walk in newness of life. Romans 6, 4. Therefore we were buried with him him being Jesus, through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Newness of life. Church family, the newness that Paul is talking about here is a heart that's been changed, a heart that's been healed, a heart full of the love, of the grace, of the mercy of Jesus Christ. Verses 7 through 10, I want to read those verses again, and I want you to imagine the scene in your mind. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Now, I don't want the magnitude of this miracle to be escaped on you guys, okay? Here was a man who the Scripture says was lame from his mother's womb, okay? So his ankle bones never grew. His muscles never attached to tendons. His tendons never attached to bone. He never had the daily exercising of walking down the street. Lame from his mother's womb. Immediately. Immediately. His feet and ankle bones receive strength. Now you see these guys on TV. Be healed. And they limp off stage. And they're told when their infirmity comes back, it was because their faith wasn't strong enough. Praise God. The level of my faith does not determine the strength of my God. Praise God that that's the case. When Jesus heals, the healing is complete. The healing is total. The healing is final. When we step into a relationship with Jesus Christ, what were his last words on the cross? It is finished. Our sin debt was nailed to the cross for all of eternity. When Jesus heals, he heals completely. This is what this man experienced. This is the magnitude of the miracle that the people saw to, on that day. This is what I don't want y'all to miss. This is the God that we serve. This is the power in the spoken name of Jesus Christ. Verse 8. 
So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Church family, we have a vision for this church. And that vision is 100 small groups being unleashed on Jackson County. Now how amazing. Just picture this in your mind. How amazing would it be to have people to come in here every Sunday morning leaping and jumping with joy because of the the forgiveness that they've received by coming to that small group through a relationship, starting a relationship with Jesus Christ. What would that look like? It would be beautiful. It would be beautiful. And people would be filled with wonder and amazement. This is a beautiful picture of somebody who's crippled by sin being healed by the love of Jesus Christ. I remember when I got saved back in 2006. The first person I called was a friend of mine who I suspected didn't know Jesus. I don't know why I called him. I do now. But I didn't know why I called him at that time. I I said, hey man, just wanted you to know I got saved today. Your reaction was his reaction. Why, Why are you calling me and telling me that? I wanted people to know that I had met the Savior. I wanted people to know that my heart had been changed. And I couldn't yet explain what happened. I couldn't yet grasp the reality of the resurrection in my heart. But you know what? I wanted people to know. And that hasn't changed. I still want people to know. 12 years later, praise God, 12 years later, I still want people to know. The second person I called was my mom. I wanted her to know that after 30 years of wandering, her prodigal son had finally come home to the Heavenly Father. Don't underestimate the power of a prayer in mom. It'll get you. Every time, it'll get you. Finally, uh, that evening, I sat down with my beautiful wife and my best friend, Laura. And I told her what had happened. I wanted her to know that she had a new husband. And I asked her to forgive me for not leading our family as a man of God. And I pledged to her that that was going to change. You see, church family, I was leaping. I was praising God for the healing that had taken place in my heart and in my life. I know how this man felt because I was this man. I was crippled by the sin in my life. I was crippled by the sin in my heart. And I was crying out and I was begging for mercy. And so was every other believer at some point. 
At some point, the Lord uses people like Peter and John in every person's life. And through them, shares the life-changing message of Jesus Christ with us. I like to call these moments divine appointments. In these times, we have a choice. We can either look up as the crippled man did, or we can continue to lay there in our shame, in our pain, and in our sin. The choice is clear, and the choice is simple. Freedom or bondage? That's not much of a choice, is it? Freedom or bondage. We can leap up in the forgiven victory and freedom of Christ and rejoice, or we can remain crippled in our sin. The question is this, where are you right now? Are you crippled by sin or have you been set free? If you're here today and you've never experienced what it's like to be healed, to be redeemed, to be forgiven, to be accepted, to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, then today, today could possibly be your divine appointment. I want you to stop whatever you're doing right now. And I want you to ask God to examine your heart. Ask God to show you where you are. Believer, I have two questions for you. Question one. What do you have to share? What do you have to share with a world that's crippled by sin? Peter and John shared what they had, and it changed a man's life. What do you have to share with this world that's crippled by sin and by shame? Number two, are you sharing it? Is that evident in your life? Now, you might be sitting there, I'm sure some of you are sitting there, oh boy, here goes story again, telling me I need to share Jesus with people. Yep. <laughs> you might be sitting there, I know I need to, I know I need to do it, but what's the but? Better question, what's the excuse? I got two more scriptures I want to share with you and I'll be done. First Corinthians, I'm sorry, Second Corinthians five, eighteen through twenty. There's a page turner. I hear it. Love hearing them pages turn. Beginning in verse 18, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing 
their trespasses to them and has committed to us, to us, the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him, verse 21, for he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You see, church family, the book of Corinthians was written by the Apostle Paul. And it was written to one of, if not the most carnal church in history. And Paul's telling them here, look, you've got a job here. You have a ministry here. It's not just the leadership's responsibility to go out and to share Jesus with people, to share the gospel. It's your responsibility. Look at verses 18 and 19 again. One of the key words Paul uses here is us. Paul uses the word us to inspire us, all of us. You see, church family, somewhere along the line, the history of the church, we got it wrong. We got it wrong. Someone brought about the incorrect belief that this is the church leadership's responsibility. That going out and sharing Jesus with people, it's the paid people, right? It's the staff people, right? You want to know who I think planted that idea? Satan. To keep church membership exactly where he wants it to be, sitting on their hineys on Sunday morning and not sharing Jesus through the week. They want us to be an audience, not an army. He wants us to be as a defeated, to live as a defeated Christian. An audience doesn't scare anybody. An army will make the devil quake in his boots. Every person that is a believer in Jesus Christ has a God story, has a Messiah moment when Jesus stepped out of heaven and stepped into their heart. And you know what? Other people want to hear it. Other people are dying to hear it. Because they want to hear about hope. They want to hear about joy. They want to hear that the best this life has to offer is not the best there is. They want to know they can have peace in their hearts. They want to know they can have peace in their lives. Every believer has a story. And we're called to share it. Next scripture. And this gives us the why behind the what. This gives us the reason for the action. Luke 16, 19 through 31. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. 
But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in hell, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, Remember that in your lifetime you received good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Can you hear the desperation in the rich man's voice? Please, Father Abraham, let me just lick a drop of water off of Lazarus's finger that will cool this fire under my tongue. Let me be like the dogs that came outside my gate to lick his sores as he laid on the ground at my gate. And if I can't do that, then please send him to my father's house. Send him to my house. Let him warn my brothers. I don't want them to end up where I am. In this awful place of fire. In this awful place of torment. Now Abraham said to the rich man in verse 30 and 31. No, Father Abraham... But if he goes to them from the dead, they will repent. Abraham said, but he, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Church family, one did rise from the dead. One did rise from the dead, and his name is mighty. His name is wonderful. His name is counselor. His name is holy. His name is strong. His name is merciful. His name is the good shepherd, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He is the Lord God, Jehovah, the great I am, the Alpha and Omega. He is the rock of our salvation. He is our sword. He is our shield, the word. The angels sing of him who sits on the throne all day, all night. Holy, holy, holy is he. He is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. The name that is above every other name. His name is Jesus. And he died to forgive you of your sins. But more than that, believer, he died to give you a purpose. 
And it's not to sit here on Sunday morning. It's to be an army. There are people dying, going to hell in Jackson County every single day. And we're going to sit here in our air-conditioned building and let them. No. We're doing something. We're buying hamburgers. We're getting yoo-hoos. We're putting them in a sack. We're telling people that Jesus loves them and inviting them here. Can you imagine the impact of a hundred small groups on mission in this county? Can you imagine what that would look like? We have a purpose, believer. We have a purpose. So again, what's your excuse? What's the but? We have the greatest story ever told living inside of us. You say, well, story, I don't know how to share the gospel. I don't know what to do. I don't know enough about the Bible. Can I tell you something? If I can do it, anybody can do it. If this dumb redneck from right here in Jefferson, Georgia, if God will take this man and use him in this way, if he'll scrape the bottom of that barrel and use me, he will use you. And he wants to use you. Every single one of you have a purpose. If you don't believe me, ask Laura. I ask some of my closest friends. They'll tell you, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, friends and guests, I ain't the brightest bulb in the pack, y'all. I'm surprised Laura didn't name me and me right there. (laughs) But if he'll use me, he'll use you, I can promise you. Sharing the gospel is contagious. It's exhilarating. And once you get a taste of it, you'll want to keep doing it. Why? It's the greatest high you'll ever get seeing somebody come to know Jesus. I've talked with many an addict, recovering addict. He says they got more of a high off of telling people about Jesus than they ever did any drug that they ever used. Why is that? It's what we're designed to do. It's who we're designed to be, church family. He didn't create us to sit in here on our blessed assurance and not do anything. We can teach you, you know. We want to teach you. We'd be overjoyed to teach you how to share your faith. That's why I'm here. That's part of the reason I'm here at Crossroads. To equip you 
to share your faith with a lost and dying world who desperately needs the hope of Christ. I love doing it. You know why I love doing it? Because I know it can change your life just like it changed mine. It can. If you would have told me as recently as seven years ago that I would be up here preaching, I would have told you you were out of your mind. I thought God was calling me to be a Christian counselor. That's how clueless I was. But this church shepherded me. Rod shepherded me. And Laura. And helped us grow. And to become what God created us to be. That is this church's desire for each and every heart in this room today. For us to see you become all that God created you to be. And for you to be standing on the front lines of the war against the enemy. Having the banner of Christ before you. Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is my banner. I love changing. I love seeing people's hearts change. I love seeing it because I've experienced it. And one of the next steps for today is signing up. To learn how to share your faith. And we do that through a seminar, a training seminar we call Gospel. So if you want to learn how to do that, let us know by checking that box on your Connect card. If you've been on a Gospel team before and you've gotten out of the habit, we would love to have you back. We need you. So you check that box too. Now I know some of you are probably saying, what in the world is Gospel training? Well, it's a, it's a seminar that we had developed here at Crossroads to help you be more effective in sharing your faith with other people. Now, if that sounds good, let us know. But you're saying, well, might be saying, well, story, I'm, I'm not spiritually wired for evangelism. That's okay. Nobody's perfect. I mean, y'all just hear me on that. Nobody's perfect. It's okay. But guess what? You're still called to be an ambassador for Christ, ain't you? If God didn't wire you for evangelism, he wired you for something else. He wired each and every believer to serve in his church. That's where place comes in. We have a great online assessment called place. If you want to figure out how God wired you spiritually to serve in his church, just in all caps on your connect card, write the word place, P-L-A-C-E, and we'll do the rest. Believer, you can start right now. You can start sharing your faith right now. And one of the best ways to do that is to pray. Pray for that one person who's here in this room this morning that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Savior. Bang on heaven's gate for that soul. Pray, believer. Pray. Pray that Jesus will move. The Holy Spirit will draw. And they will do what only they can do. Save a soul and change a life. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Beloved, if you're here, you're here for a reason. 
And if in the last few minutes you did like I asked, and you asked God to examine your heart, and He did, and He showed you that you don't know Jesus as your Savior. Why not come home to Him today? Why not respond in love to the one that loved you? To the one that loved you enough to die for you? Are you crippled on the rags and the pallet of your life right now? Is Jesus reaching down His hand to you? Begging you to take His hand and rise up and walk in newness of life. If that's you, then make this prayer the cry of your heart. Now before we pray, I want to tell you something. It's not about a prayer. It's not about the words of a prayer. A prayer never has and never will save anybody. This is about the condition of your heart. This is about you realizing today that Jesus died to forgive you of your sins, that you realize that you need Him in your life, that you need His forgiveness, that you need His leadership, that you need His Lordship. This is about responding in love to the one that loved you first. So if that's you, and you're ready to commit your whole life everything you have to Christ then make this prayer the cry of your heart just say dear Lord Jesus I need you I admit that I am a sinner and Lord that I need a savior and it's you Jesus I'm placing all of my life everything I have in your hands forgive me of my sin Step out of heaven and step into my heart today. Now, if that's you and you prayed that prayer, I want you to do something. First, I want you to thank Him. Just say, thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. And the next thing I want you to do, it's kind of a big step. But I want you to stand up right where you are. Stand up right where you are. Take your connect card and walk to the back table. If you gave your heart to Jesus today, show Him you love Him. Believer, what do you have to share? And are you sharing it? Those are the two questions that I propose to you today. If you're a believer in Christ, I want you to raise your hand. Lift them up. If you're a believer in Christ, I want you to raise your hand right now. If you have a relationship with Christ, I want you to raise your hand. Praise God. Hands up all over the room. So thankful. So grateful. Believer, with your hand lifted high, if God has convicted you today that you're not sharing Jesus in word 
in action and in lifestyle. But you want that to change. With your hand lifted high, I want to pray with you. If you're willing to commit to God that if He shows you the way, you'll go. I want to pray with you. Father in heaven, Lord, we just thank you for today. Thank you for this message that you wrote, that you brought by your power and your strength. God, thank you for moving me and my inabilities and my infirmities to the side. Thank you for speaking to your people today. And God, for these who have their hands raised in commitment to you, that they want to serve you, Lord, that they want to be used by you, I pray that you'll use them, Lord, as a mighty army. God, one that will boldly proclaim the saving message of Jesus Christ. Father, for those believers today, you can put your hands down. For those who stepped into a relationship today with Jesus Christ, who might not have been bold enough to go to the back table, because I feel in my heart there's somebody here that did that. Let them not be ashamed. Let them check that box on that connect card indicating that they got saved today. And help us as a church grow them into what you created them to be. Father, we love you and we thank you for first loving us. Continue to lead us and guide us as your church. Move among us. Do mighty things for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.